I'm just reminded I'd promised to take my young ward, Dick Grayson, fishing, if you'll excuse me. There's a problem. Better let us handle this. I don't know who he is behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him. We need him now. Beth, Bam, Pow, let's take a trip down to the Batcave for Batman Land. Let's go! A weekly discussion of the 1966 Batman TV show. Each week we're joined by a guest where we'll discuss the Batman episodes that aired this week on SBS Viceland. Now, when I'm not patrolling the streets at night, I'm Dan Barrett, billionaire playboy and a digital editor at SBS. I'm joined here by my own personal aunt Harriet, Fiona Williams. <laughs> you could have hit Catwoman. <laughs> I could have, you're right. Fiona Williams, you're new to the Batcave. I am. Thank you very much for having me. Well, the Batman Land Cave. I've never quite worked out the correct titling on that. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming along. Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, we've got Mark Humphreys, uh, star of um, stage and screen. <laughs> <laughs> star of a very small screen on your phone, possibly. Yeah. yeah. You may have seen Mark on your Facebook feeds when segments from the feed makes its way through. Now, I'm excited by Mark's recent video, like a few weeks ago. Uh, you managed to be maybe the most viewed celebrity in Australia by your CNN video going out globally. But what's fantastic is you did not have the foresight to maybe show your face during the entire video. <laughs> yes, that was... Yeah, well, I think it's a sign. I think if it, if I had shown my face, it, it probably would not have done as well. I think that's probably the, the benefit was not seeing my face. So for those who don't know what this is, it was, it was a video in response to when Donald Trump tweeted the video of him wrestling a man with a uh, CNN logo over his head and so our video was that I was a man with a CNN logo over my head who had been uh, assaulted by the President of the United States and uh, yeah no it went, it went gangbusters uh, Mark Hamill retweeted Mark oh, Hamill wow. yes <sighs> That's it. Who has, of course, has the his own Joker. Batman connection. Yeah. Yes, that's it. It all ties in. So um, it really does. <laughs> yeah. So I have nothing left to live for now. Really. Yeah. So. No, this is fantastic. <laughs> and that's why you're here. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've hit rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Every guest on Batman Land is definitely on their way down, if not at the base. <laughs> Anyway, we're very excited. We're going to be discussing two episodes of the Batman TV show. Now, this featured a character which was brand new to the Batman mythos. It wasn't a comic book character previously, created exclusively for the show, and then never heard from again. <laughs> never, like, became a comic book character after that. Why never. is that, Dan? <laughs> well, because the character is terrible. <laughs> um, this is an episode. It was called Zelda the Great. It aired on the 9th of February in 1966. Its follow-up episode was A Death Worse Than Fate, which aired on the 10th of February 1966. Uh, it starred Anne Baxter as the titular Zelda the Great. And weirdly, I'm not sure if she's actually a villain, even though she's billed as a villain within the show. But Fiona, you've got a synopsis of this episode. What did we experience well, with these two episodes? In as much as one can distill the synopsis of Batman episodes down, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in this one. Batman's taunted by a bank robber slash master illusionist Zelda the Great, um, who lures the dynamic duo into an elaborate plot that hits a bit close to home at Wayne Manor when she kidnaps one young Dick Grayson's beloved aunt, Harriet. Has there been a ransom note? That's the worst of it, Batman. We've received a note with instructions for $100,000 to be delivered within one hour. One hour only. Um, and the plot ends in a doom trap. She ensnares Batman and Robin in a glass box with electrified grills and a lot of purple smoke um, from which they must escape. The smoke budget on Batman must have been so high. <laughs> the coloured smoke budget. Purple smoke, yeah. Purple smoke bombs. 
Now, it's kind of notable because I think this is the first time that neither Batman or Robin have been the victims of the end of episode one, you know, same next time, same Bat Channel, same, yeah, Bat Time. It was Aunt Harriet, who was clearly a different actress because she was uh, quite a bit of a... Dangling. We'll say different body shape. It's a very elaborate plot that they've got Aunt Harriet strung up in a straitjacket over a flaming bucket of oil. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't see how she was strung up. I thought she was sort of levitating. (laughs) Doing a bit of... High kicks. There were, yeah. Yes, almost an exercise bike in the air. It's very yeah, very graphic, very visual. Why did they kidnap Aunt Harriet? I don't really quite understand how of all the denizens of Gotham City <laughs> that she was the one that was chosen. This is the one you least expect. So was it, was it was the theory that Bruce Wayne would then throw in throw some money at them? Is that, yeah, the $100,000. This, this is a thing. I've already forgotten the plot. Yeah, the bank, the ba- there's a series of annual bank robberies. That's someone right. takes $100,000 every year on April 1st. So on April Fool's Day, someone... Rob's $100,000. This is a third year running. It's making the police look like fools. A fine bunch of April fools we're looking. Oh, don't castigate yourselves. You're tip-top officers, all of you. But still, two years on this case and you men haven't turned up a single clue. And turns out it's Silver the Great. Okay, this is what I don't get. (laughs) Batman and Robin, or Bruce Wayne and, you know, Dick Grayson, the two of them, they've dedicated their lives to stopping crime, just keeping everyone safe, making sure that all the laws are adhered to around the city. For the last couple of years, on the exact same day, there have been robberies of $100,000, 1966 money. That's a lot of cash. Why were Batman and Robin, or as their civilian guys of Bruce and Dick, out on their balcony at Stately Wayne Manor engaging in some astronomy... When, you know, they know that some sort of crime is going down. Very good point. The bat phone's just ringing down there. No yes. one knows. That's it. Yeah. And, the, and was, was the bat signal showing as well or was well, it just the, just the phone? So they had the bat signal and this is the first time I think we've seen the bat signal so far. Okay. Goodness gracious, look up at that cloud. Isn't that the famous bat signal? It sure is, Aunt Harriet. Uh, Commissioner Gordon must wish the services of the uh, dynamic duo. Because Commissioner Gordon sends um, Chief O'Hara, who I'm convinced is not actually an authentic cop. <laughs> I think he's volunteering and everyone's just humouring him. But he sends him out there with a few of Gotham's finest, switching on the bat signal. And it's the only time in the show where Commissioner Gordon's like, well, let's turn on the light just in case they don't answer the phone. And they weren't answering the phone. Can we give a shout out to Chief O'Hara for having the best line in this episode or any episode of Batman that I've seen thus far is the when they're trying to work out where Bruce Wayne is and his guess of what a millionaire is up to is, yes. I'll bet Mr. Mr. Wayne is out on some yacht eating sherbet and changing his clothes. I love <laughs> what a, it. What a guess. <laughs> He's got a weird perception of what the idle rich are getting up to. He's just a poor Irish cop. Yeah. You leave that guy alone. He's just no doing he, a work-a-day job. No wonder he can't solve any crimes. He doesn't, doesn't know the basic habits of a human. Now, I'm feeling a little bit bad. I mean, you should as well for that horribly racist Irish accent oh, you were doing. Oh, come on. But, but These the, are my people. Okay, but was he Irish, the actor that played it? I don't know. Oh, I'm that, not too sure. Am I doing an impression of a racist accent? I don't know. Oh, who knows? <laughs> okay. But I'm feeling bad myself over this whole thing because I was criticising Bruce and Dick for going out there and engaging in astronomy. But the thing is, that as we learned in this episode, astronomy is more than mere fun. 
because as he told Dick Grayson, it helps give a sense of proportion. It reminds us how little we really are as people. Because people forget that sometimes. It's, there's some great lessons in Batman. I mean, there was the one about uh, studying French yeah. uh, a few episodes ago. And <laughs> that brings, we could have world peace if we all spoke French or something, I think, was a lesson there. That's right. And when they take off, um, when they spot the back signal, their alibi is to go to a lecture on Latin American affairs. <laughs> great heavens, what a fool I am. Isn't today Wednesday, Alfred? Indeed, sir. Wednesday night, Gotham Town Hall. We have tickets to that lecture on Latin American affairs. Holy Venezuela, you're right. <laughs> because it's Wednesday. They're and... not fishing this time. <laughs> as soon as they said they were leaving, Aunt Harriet said something dismissive about, oh, it's, you know, disappointing you can't stick around for his roast or yep. something. Mm. Rib roast, I believe it was. <laughs> it was a rib roast. Yeah. Do you think that maybe Aunt Harriet's a little bit sour that she wasn't invited to go along? Because Bruce and Dick disappear from the house all the time, yeah. last minute, for things I've got, like, theatre tickets or to see sporting <laughs> celebrities, whatever. Not once does Aunt Harriet get an invite. Yeah, and not once do they have the courtesy to tell her in advance when they probably see her cooking a rib roast that, no, we've got Latin American political lecture later. Exactly. She was probably happy at the end of the episodes to get kidnapped. It was the first time she's been out of stately Wayne Manor in God knows how long. Someone's paying attention to her finally. Can we give out a shout-out to the exterior of Wayne Manor? 380 South San Rafael Avenue, Pasadena, California, apparently is the address. But um, I, I recognise it from the film Bowfinger. That you know, have you seen Bowfinger? Yeah, yeah. Are, are you with? yeah. It's where Kit Ramsey lives. Eddie Murphy's character. It's the same house. And oh, also pops up in Bridesmaids for the uh, bridal shower. Well, I know oh. it from the X Files movie because that's where all the bad guys are hanging out. That's right. It's in that as well. Yeah. And I think it's also in uh, Stand by Me. I don't know which scene, but that's what I read. I'm going to be in California in a few weeks' time, and I've been quietly working out whether or not it's worthwhile doing that. From what I understand, you can't really see over the fence to be able to see Stately Wayne Manor. Oh, you can stand up the street and you can kind of get a look in, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure it's worth travelling to Pasadena for. No, mm. I'll pass, pass yeah. on that. That's fine. Bigger issue I had with this episode was the... Uh, when do you begin with this <laughs> well, one? Yeah. Okay. Now, this seems to have happened a few times where the villains try to basically get Batman to do their job for them. So this guy, what's his name? Evil Ekdal. Evil Yes. Yeah. So, he, so he created this uh, illusion, but didn't create a way to get out of it. Is that right? And so, correct. And okay. he's sort of the Svengali that's yes. kind of leading um, Zelda. Yeah. So she's taking your cues from this evil, mm. kind of a gadget man, kind of a evil cue. And wants her to pay a hundred store owner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> and wants her to pay a hundred thousand dollars for a trick that doesn't have an escape. Behold, Ewol Ekdal's inescapable doom trap. A cage constructed of utterly unbreakable jet-age plastic. And and the theory just being that old Batman will work out how to escape. This is a terrible... Or die trying. Yeah, yeah. it's a terrible piece of design. This is... De- I just should not be rewarded with cash. I, I just <laughs> thought that was... And it was like the Penguin episode where, again, it's like, I can't be bothered working out a fiendish scheme. Batman, if we just kind of, you know, ensnare Batman, he'll come up with a scheme for me and then I'll do it. These are very lazy villains. <laughs> it's just the way they did in the 60s. You just use the progress of you know, yeah. you're being forward, <laughs> forward-thinking Batman's villains. being hero and villain at the same time must be exhausting. Now, when Aunt Harriet was kidnapped, uh, initially she was lured on the phone saying, hey, look, Dick's been injured. Mm-hmm. But the story that was like given to her about how Dick was injured, he was playing in a park. Like, what sort of adolescent is Dick supposed to be in this? And they sent a taxi to pick her up yeah. to go and get him. Yeah, Which would be very nice that she was, you know, more than willing to rush to her young nephew's aid. However, it just sort of seems like Dick's being portrayed as like this sort of seven-year-old, you know, rough-about kid when, you know, he's out there saving crime and being chased after by the girls of Gotham. 
I can't recall. How, have we established how old Burt Ward was at the time? Uh, I'm not sure about Burt Ward. Like, I think the character's supposed to be about 17. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, Har- Harriet always infantilizing him. Mm. Excuse me, pardon. Um, I thought this was interesting this episode as well because this this felt felt like one of the origins of fake news. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, and but it's fortuitous that you would be here with your CNN connection, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with my penchant for lying to the public. Um, <laughs> but that uh, yeah, that Batman can plant a story in the uh, Gotham City Times and they'll run it. They'll run a false story. This is. What, yeah. sort of, what sort of paper is this? Well, they did issue an apology statement <laughs> to be read on the TV news. <laughs> Which yeah. is what the Australian does in all sorts of papers now if they get something wrong. Yeah, Sky News, they'll get the columnists Exa- out there. Yeah, that's yeah. it. They'll yeah, be, do it first, book, apologise later if you get They'll book caught. television space <laughs> with the uh, head of police. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just very progressive. <laughs> yeah, so there's this fake news story planted as a trap for, for whoever this bank robber is that, uh, ha-ha, it was counterfeit, basically, so mm. that, that will draw them out again to... to yeah. Another shot. To commit more crimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, on so many levels, this just doesn't work. Like, clearly it's negligent from Batman's perspective, but also, like, is there a sense of illegal behaviour engaged in here by Batman? Because you'd think that once the people find out that the money is counterfeit, they would probably try to destroy the money. And that's the logical assumption. So Batman is encouraging the destruction of legal tender. <laughs> This episode just doesn't hold up. <laughs> no. <laughs> it really doesn't. But there is an amazing scene where Batman explains to the lady in the um, jewelry oh, place. who's got the hots for him. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, well, everyone, every woman in the show does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. every yeah. lady in Gotham. Human. Yeah. Yes. But he was explaining that people don't have anything to fear from them in their costume unless they're criminals. And I was thinking about the situation a few minutes later where the two of them are on the balcony above, barely disguised. Like, you could <laughs> quite easily see their cows, like, over the top of the balcony. And I'm just imagining a conversation happening with the people on the floor while they're there looking at their jewels, <laughs> their diamonds, trying to choose what necklace they're after, and noticing these two men just standing up the top there. And I'd like to think there's some lady saying, oh, you know, who are the men in the costumes on the balcony? And the other one just turns and says, it's okay. We're not criminals. We have nothing to fear from the men in those costumes. <laughs> I want to give a shout out for something that happened 50 years ago to the actress who plays the uh, the woman running the jewellery store. Well, the experience of actually viewing you in the flesh is faintly fate-making. Yes. Her name is Barbara Heller. She was... I thought she was fantastic. I thought that she was a really interesting performer. I was like, who is this? Who is this lady? And I went and looked her up. She had a relatively short career, but there are some videos of her from a, a Jackie Gleason show and uh, another show with Steve Allen. And here she is, Barbara Helen. Where she does incredible impressions of Judy Garland, Betty Davis. As a special I'm treat, a... would you do a little yes. of your impersonation of Betty Davis? Uh, she, really funny performer. I should like to do a scene. From one of my greatest pictures, but then aren't they all? <laughs> I'm just hooked on the late Barbara Hell. She died in 1995. But yeah, I, I just there was something about her performance. It felt like she was almost channeling Betty Davis or something in her delivery. I just thought she was yeah. quite interesting. The lips, especially the delivery, is is quite. Yeah. Quite something. Yeah. I, see, I thought she did a better job than Anne Baxter, if, um. I, if I do say so. Okay. Well, I want to get to Anne Baxter in just a moment, <laughs> but we should maybe just wrap up our conversation about the show itself. At the very end of the episode, after the crime had all been resolved, there was this epilogue, which we haven't really seen epilogues like this in the show yet, 
and they had a scene with Bruce Wayne visiting Zelda in prison. And I was particularly intrigued by the misogynistic take here of Bruce Wayne when he ends up offering her a role once she ends up leaving prison and serves her time. And he says, I think you've earned a new chance. And we'll offer you this position of the exact job title was resident lady magician. Resident Lady Magician in the <laughs> Wayne Foundation Children's Hospitals. Oh, how wonderful. It wasn't Resident Magician. Oh, I Resident see. Lady yeah, Magician. I'm glad you feel that way. Well, uh, keenly observed. Yeah. Because, well, the yeah. Resident Male Magician position is obviously already taken. Yeah, well, clearly. That's it. You've got to have one of each. It's for equality. So yeah. I don't think it stands to reason. Um, yeah, that story checks out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the other thing about this? Oh, yeah. the uh, So, again, the guy that creates the illusions. Obsessed with his Albanian heritage. True. Even I, Ewol Hector, with all my twisted Albanian genius, even I cannot devise the answer. That is where Batman comes Correct. in. Correct. Yeah. I believe that you mad Albanian. <laughs> yeah. He calls himself a twisted Albanian genius and a bit heavy-handed on that. Yeah, now that character I thought was a bit of a non-event. Mm-hmm. But the guy that played him, and I didn't know his name, he has this really extensive career of just like bit roles in TV over the years. Like mm-hmm. there's no one role that you could sort of say stood out. Maybe it's this role. But he's, I noticed he was in the original Superman TV show. He was in this. He was in the Lois and Clark TV show in the 90s. Oh, really? So he's ticked a lot of superhero TV boxes, but that's just because he ticked a lot of boxes. He's just got one of those really extensive filmographies in the IMDb. Yeah, right. So look him up. You'll not know him from anything. Sure. But yeah, he's just had a good career. Well, Lo- Lois and Clark, he's gone up in my book. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Now, Ann Baxter was in this. Mm. And Fee, you're a movies editor, so you probably have some thoughts on the Ann Baxter. Well, Ann Baxter, I love her work from All About Eve Mm -hmm. from 1950, where she is Eve. Mm. You know, the definitive story of backstage conniving and success, but looking down to see who's clawing at your heels to climb over you to take the limelight from you. So, you know, she can do no wrong in my book. Are you familiar with the musical Applause? I'm not. So Applause is a Broadway musical which was based on All About Eve. I think it opened in about 1970 or so, starring Lauren Bacall in the... Is it Margot Channing, I think, is the character's name in All About Eve? And what was Anne Baxter's character's name again in that uh, in the film? It, it, she's Eve. She's Eve. So mm. I've got, yeah. <laughs> it's all about her. It's all about her. All about, yeah. uh, Who's it all about again? Uh, so anyway, uh, when Lauren Bacall left the show, they needed someone to play Margot. They got Anne Baxter. Oh, Anne Baxter came in, nice. and uh, I think from memory she wasn't wasn't that great a singer. But um, <laughs> but neither was Lauren Bacall, so that's okay. So yeah, so there's just an interesting little addendum to the All About Eve mythology. Indeed, um, and so of course here it's 16 years after that, um, and her career. She was in Magnificent Ambersons. Yeah. So, Orson Welles film that we're still trying to find that original print somewhere, someone in someone's basement. <laughs> it's, it's still a very good movie, but it's not what it possibly could be and we'll never know. Indeed. Mm. Then the rest of her career was frequent guest spots on Marcus Welby, on Ironside, Columbo, a few eps of The Love Boat. Oh, I do love, yes, yeah. I do love The Love Boat. And mm. then that'll be the next Viceland purchase. Yeah. Oh, oh, we yeah. can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> love Land? Yeah, Bat, Bat, Love Boat Land, Batland, Boat Land. Land. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much. Too much. <laughs> Can we also? Oh, sorry, we should yes. also say Anne yes. Baxter returns in Batman, so she's the ah. only actress to play two characters. So she comes back as it's like a late season two villain, as like a queen of the something. Okay, oh, not right. sure. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting in this episode, which may have happened in, because I, I, at this point I, I haven't seen three and four, so I've seen the the uh, Riddler episode, I've seen the Penguin episode. Both Zelda and the newspaper salesman speak to camera. And have we seen that before? No, this is the first time we've seen a fourth wall broken. Yeah, I didn't care for it. 
Didn't care for no. the breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, it's very, very irresponsible. Yeah. yeah, it kind of really took me out of the, <laughs> the bat experience. Also, uh, something which was on this one, which again may have been in three or four, but I don't know. Was this the first time we saw same bat time, same bat I channel? I thought possibly. I believe that's right. And it's also the first time we've seen Batman and Robin enter Gotham City Police uh, HQ, not from the front of the building, but from the back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. A landmark television yeah. moment. <laughs> it really is. But anyway, guys, we should probably move on to maybe discussing Batman a bit more broadly. Mark, it's your first time within the Batman land cave. Uh, we just need to know, like, who's your Batman? Like, who do you think of? I don't want to be cliched because I know what comes up often on this show, but it is Michael Keaton. It, it was just <laughs> the right time. It was just the right time. Specifically, like, Batman Returns, age seven, just everything about that, particularly just the whole aesthetic the look of that film, tie it in with the McDonald's Happy Meal and all the everything and the Batman trading cards, the Batman Returns ride at Warner Brothers Movie World, Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Um, <laughs> did you ever get to go on that? Oh, look, I've done it many times. Right, okay. So The Batman ride, I've been on both incarnations of it. You've been on the Batman Forever one? is Because what was it? There was like another one. Yeah, so there was the Batman Returns one, which yeah. featured Press Gang's Dexter Fletcher as <laughs> Alfred's nephew. I think his name was Oliver. Can we give a shout-out to your Press Gang podcast as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a thing that existed. That was a thing that existed, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they had Dexter Fletcher and he was essentially taking you through like the voiceover of the speaker, like helping Batman out. But it was all based on Batman Returns. Mm -hmm. But then they revised it and it was this computer-animated thing and it was just it lost right. the charm, the, yeah. you know, the tangible aesthetic. Totally. So, yeah, so Keaton was my... Batman, but also, but Adam West to, to an extent as well. I mean, I do have vivid memories of watching um, the 1960s Batman movie in my Batman costume. I do remember. You know, as a kid acting, or was this as, recent? This is recent. Yeah. This was, just, this was just, just before I came into the studio. And yeah, acting it out as much as you can as a you know, six-year-old or what have you. So yeah, those are my, they were sort of my two, but Keaton I thought was phenomenal. And I'm still, I'm sort of still holding out for a third Keaton Burton Batman. I kind of went every, whenever they, <laughs> oh, I geez. just yeah. Well, I mean, why doesn't why does no one talk about this? Because everyone loved the first two Batman films, and they're always doing this thing about oh, let's do an older Batman, and then they get Ben Affleck, who's fractionally older. But like, <laughs> what is to stop a Keaton Burton third Batman film? I Nothing think, exactly. No. <laughs> Precisely. Put it into development. <laughs> <laughs> I think Batman's busy at the moment. I think other stuff's gone on with him. Yeah, but that's rubbish. I mean, we all know that those films are rubbish. So just wipe out the whole DC thing at the moment. I'm only happy to see this happen if they break out the turtleneck once more. <laughs> well, hasn't Keaton just gone Marvel? He's in the Spider-Man movie. Yeah, he has. Jump ship. He's hotter than ever. He's, mm. I mean, he is. I mean, he was the founder. He then he was will. the bird yeah. guy. Yeah, yes, well, yeah. a bit of self-referential work in Birdman. I think yeah. he's ready to mm. come back. And then he played a different bird guy in that Spider-Man movie. It's all about the birds at the moment. Mm. Very much so. <laughs> so, yeah, so Keaton, because uh, Keaton was funny and he was just like, he, he just seemed like a kind of regular guy. There was just seemed to be, and I, I love growing up and then realising that Keaton was a comedian. It's sort of, there's something sort of inspiring about that, that I could be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you still can be. You're in a fitness, like, peak of your life. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is this much is clear. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a similar thing to like with like why when Roger Moore died this year, why uh, I was sort of devastated in the same way with Adam West is that Roger Moore's James Bond is the one James Bond that I felt I could be. Like he made Roger Moore made me feel like I could be James Bond because he wasn't particularly fit, 
He never really, <laughs> you know, he never really ran. Yeah. And he was just more sort of a smart aleck than than actually had any kind of physical prowess. Uh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why not you? <laughs> so obviously you're a movie Batman guy, but did you ever play around with the cartoons? Did you ever read the comics? Like, what's your exposure there? No, I mean, I I, I know I saw the show, the, like the '60s show, on whatever it was mm. on when we were. I was trying to think of the same thing. I don't know how I could have seen it, but yeah, I can't explain yeah. it because it wasn't. This is was like before pay TV, so it was one of the must maybe mm. the ABC. I feel like it might have been the ABC. Well, but... see, John Bowen was saying the exact same thing on episode one of this podcast that he remembers it from the ABC. Mm. I remember it clearly being a Channel 10 program in the afternoons. Really? But I also grew up in Adelaide, so maybe that's a mm. like Adelaide Channel 10 thing, so yeah, I'm not sure. too sure. Yeah, so that mm. was that was my experience. But no, I never really did the comic book thing. But, but I mean, I, the, the movies was the big thing. And it's funny how as a kid you're not conscious of things like directors changing. And you went and, and you saw Batman Forever and you went, oh, this is not. <laughs> this is not the same thing. This is not that thing that I like. Yeah, and then, like, they try to trick you with Pat Hingle and Michael <laughs> Goff as you know Gordon and and, and um, Alfred, but uh, they didn't fool me. They 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 they, they messed it up. Okay, well <laughs> because we've gone through the who's your Batman thing, I'm going to side question it. Mm. Who's your Alfred? Oh well, I do. Oh gosh, well I do love Michael Goff. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do love Michael Goff. He ended up actually weirdly. I think one of his last performances was a Dame Edna special, <laughs> where he played her butler, Alfred. Yeah, it's a very strange thing. If you no, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. and he was really old, and it was kind of unpleasant. Like he was too old to be serving someone. I thought. Um, <laughs> So dig that up. But, yeah, no, I, th- I think Michael Goff would be mine, even though I don't... Is it Alan, Alan Napier? Alan Napier. Yeah. yeah. I think he's charming, but... Yeah, he's, he's always the, like, Alfred I think of. Right. And no one's ever been quite to the Napier standard. Mm. I yes, like so. his in-joke in this um, episode. It must have screened on a Wednesday night, did it? That's what in, I was wondering um, about that. Yeah. yeah, he makes a joke about a very important television show he can't miss on a Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I, yeah, I did. I was hoping it was Batman, because I actually looked yeah. up to see when what night Batman mm, same. Did, but I think it was Tuesday and Wednesday nights. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. The thing I remember about Michael Goff that I loved was in Batman, 1989 Batman, that Bruce just doesn't care where he puts wine glasses. <laughs> yeah, he's that, always picking and, them up. And that Alfred is always very quick to get in there and grab it before he, you know, drops it on something. So that is the best Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fee, who's Hello. your Alfred? My Alfred. Well, I mean, not because of the rest of the films, but Michael Caine probably. Yeah. <laughs> Just for his just keenness. to say that, really, yeah. yeah, just to do an impersonation. No, this isn't the trip. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, no, I, you know, um, Alan Apier, he he has a gravitas, so probably those two, I'd say. We should probably wrap things up. So, at the end of every episode, we do like to think about the lessons that we learned from this week's Batman. The life lesson I think we're all going to take away from it, uh, Fiona. <laughs> Now, let's maybe start with you. Was there anything particular that's going to, you know, reshape your thinking? <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, we've addressed it, but I think how easy it is to manipulate the media. This morning's headline was entirely untrue. Look. It's signed and notarized. Like, I think this was the precursor. <laughs> you can just get the editor of the Gotham City Times to say whatever the hell you want. And um, chaos ensues, really. My, my lesson comes from Alfred, which is uh, do not prioritise television over dusting anything, especially a bat cave, because uh, Aunt Harriet could be kidnapped. See, so, I, yeah. I learnt the opposite lesson. Oh, yeah. Because as Bruce Wayne slash Batman, like, 
said to Alfred, just consoling him, saying, look, it's not your fault. You can go and watch your TV shows. <laughs> I learned that you can go and watch TV shows oh. regardless of the consequence. I'm carrying Alfred's guilt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Folks, this has been the end of Batman Land Episode 5. Thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate it. We'd also appreciate if people would leave reviews to help other people find the shows. It's the least you can do for the citizens of Gotham City. Leave a review on the iTunes or whatever platform choice you have for your podcast delivery. But while you're doing that, maybe you're thinking, I'd like to follow these fine people on Twitter. Fiona, you're on the Twitters. Where do people find you? You can find me on the Twitters. I'm at anything but Fifi. And Mark Humphreys, you've sent a tweet or two in your time. I have, at Mark Humphreys. And people can find me at the Dan Barrett's, where I'll do lots of plugging of the Batman Land podcast. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate it. Of course, you can find Batman every Friday night on SBS Vice Land, 6.30pm. And if you missed the episode because you're busy living a life, it's on SBS On Demand, which is there for you to watch all the time, any day of the week, any time you need. Good service. It really is. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much. And now we return you to our regular scheduled program, In Progress. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. SBS is Australia's most trusted multilingual broadcaster. Our listeners are loyal, highly engaged and have supported countless local businesses. We offer advertising packages for businesses of all sizes. Our experienced sales team will guide you through the process of owning a great campaign. Bring your own ad or have our production team make you something in one of our 68 languages. Start the conversation with your new audience today. Email sales at sbs.com.au.